Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 274. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our State of the Marvel Cinematic Universe address for 2023. But before we begin our conversation, want to let you know once again about Fan Show Plus. That is the podcast that is exclusive to premium subscribers at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts, where you can hear us address additional MCU topics. We've been answering your questions via some MCU mailbag episodes. On the next edition of Fan Show Plus, we will be talking about the five Oscar nominations received by Black Panther Wakanda Forever and Eternals being the most streamed Marvel movie in 2022. How did that happen? And what does it mean for that franchise and those characters moving forward? You can find Fan Show Plus at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts if you search for Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel, you can find it there and subscribe so that you can hear those episodes. And if you are enjoying our podcast, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference, which is why we are so grateful to those of you who have already taken the time to leave your thoughts on the show over on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us in those places you can we are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And now let's address the state of the MCU in 2023. How you doing, Paul Herman? I am doing very well. Uh, we just had our, our our best you know fan football podcast that no one will ever hear because we never recorded, but it was great catching up sports with you. And I'm excited about the State of the MCU talk today because, like always, I, I'm always reading Marvel comic books. And it's it's interesting to see where, you know, things are going and how the comics are and the characters. And just for me, how it kind of rolls into what, what potentially might happen. It's just fun to see what's all how it's all connected and everything. And it just, it, it's really interesting to me. I, I can't wait to get into this talk because I think the comics inform and movies inform the comics. It's, it's very interesting. So, yeah, a lot, of, a lot to get into today. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about the state of the MCU in 2023. And there are a couple of reasons. One, uh, this actually came from a couple of places, you know, a couple of points of origin for this. Most recently, it was my good friend, Robert, who Paul, you know as well. And um, he suggested when I was uh, putting out questions for the MCU mailbag, instead of a, he did have a question as well, which I talked about over on Fan Show Plus, shameless plug alert, but also suggested this topic for an episode, which reminded me how we used to do this uh, way back in, because this podcast that you're hearing now, MCU Fan Show, came from Marvel Studios News, which came from Marvel News, which came from Making My Marvel, which came from, which was a spinoff of Modern Myth Media, a podcast that I started in 2011. And the very first episode was a state of the superhero genre address, and which was a very interesting time in 2011 to be talking about the state of the genre as we had Marvel Studios going deeper into their roster. Of course, 2011, the year that Thor came out and Captain America, the first Avenger. So launching a couple brand new franchises there on the DC side of things, Green Lantern, you know which situation worked out better for which company by now. But um, it was an interesting year to do that. And it became kind of an annual thing that we were doing for a little while. And now is a really good time, I think, to do this again for MCU fan show and to talk about the state of the MCU because 
not only because we haven't done it in a while, I think there are a lot of interesting interesting things going on. And also, we're at a key juncture right now in the multiverse saga, right? We just finished phase four with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and I guess also the holiday special or whatever, but I'm not even, I don't even remember where the official ruling on what phase that's part of, but the official real launch, meaningful launch of phase five is the next Marvel movie that we get to see, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania. And so before we start phase five, as we've ended phase four, it's a good time to survey the landscape, look at how things have gone over the past really only couple of years, because it's only been two years, a little bit more than that, since WandaVision actually started phase four, because we had a gap year in uh, 2020, as we all know. And so I think now is a good time to look at where things are. And I think there are a lot of questions about how people feel about the MCU compared to previous times and previous levels of excitement and enthusiasm around the MCU. And so let's go ahead and let's talk about it. And I also think there are things coming up for the MCU and Marvel Studios in story and outside of the story that are going to shape our experiences and inform our experiences as fans watching these stories uh, unfold as they are presented to us. But I would be remiss, even though we're going to cover this a lot more on Fanshow Plus, do have to congratulate all of the nominees for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It was nominated for five Oscars. Best Supporting Actress, Angela Bassett. Can't think of a more deserving nomination amongst the Academy Award nominees this year than Angela Bassett for Best Supporting Actress. You've heard Paul and I talk about how much this really should happen and all the reasons why this should happen, which I'm sure most, if not all of you, agree with. I'm still rooting for the win. I'm not just satisfied with the nomination, but it is the first acting nomination in Marvel Studios history, so that... Um, not to say it's the only and or first performance, I think, that deserved an Academy Award nomination uh, in Marvel Studios history. But regardless, this is the first one, and it is an incredibly deserving performance, to say the least, by Angela Bassett as Queen Ramonda in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But she is joined as an Academy Award nominee by Ruth E. Carter for Best Costume Design. Ruth E. Carter actually, of course, won Uh, the Oscar for Best Costume Design for the first Black Panther film. Best Original Song, Lift Me Up by The Thames, Ludwig Göransson, Rihanna, and Ryan Coogler. Best Visual Effects, uh, Craig Hammack, Christopher White, and Dan Suddick, or Sudik. Uh, And Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Camille Friend and Joel Harlow. So congratulations to those nominees. We'll talk more about that on Fan Show Plus. But great to see uh, a fantastic Marvel film being recognized in uh, in this way with these five Academy Award nominations. Could or should it have been nominated for more? We could talk about that, and, and probably so. Uh, you'll hear us talk about that over on Fan Show Plus. But Paul, hmm. before we get into the state of the MCU in a broader sense, sure. let's talk about how we specifically just feel individually about the sure. MCU. Our level of enthusiasm right now, how we have felt coming out of Phase 4, you know, throughout Phase 4, coming out of Phase 4, and as we go into uh, Phase 5. I mean, I know, obviously, we are big fans of this stuff, because here we are still doing this podcast all these years and all these episodes later. So safe to say, the enthusiasm, when you grade us on a curve, like compared to a lot of people, I'm sure our enthusiasm, and for people (laughs) listening to this show, like if you listen to a podcast about the MCU, odds are pretty good your enthusiasm level for the MCU 
is yes. still very high. Um, you or know, higher. Yeah, and higher than the average person, probably. Yeah. Um, well, which is not to rank fans or anything like that. No, just no. Right, right, right. plain observation of, of levels of interest that, that people have and how they do vary from person to person. Um, but you listening to this, you're pretty, you're pretty in. And, uh, and, and so are we, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that our level of enthusiasm is always the same all the time, depending on how much we like the most recent projects that we've seen or, or what we think about what's coming up. So to start our, our discussion on the state of the MCU, Paul, in, in famous MCU fan show uh, <laughs> fashion, <laughs> nine minutes into <laughs> the hey. podcast. Consistency. Where are you at? right now how do you feel about the mcu at this moment to to be honest i'm pretty i'm pretty excited i mean always excited right but i think i'm more excited for phase five than i was for phase four and i i I think phase four you know if i could describe it in the in back to sports terms okay um i'm gonna go to baseball here and i think just because of, of the average you know, batting average, and I'll get into slugging percentage and all that stuff. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm old school. Okay. All analytics. I can't get all this stuff. Um, if I would say that, you know, the Thanos, you know, um, the infinity saga, that was all like Ted Williams. Like it's just, just hit after hit. It's, it's whereas phase four and the start of the multiverse saga, it feels like it's more of like a power hitter, you know? Um, like, you know, it's again, I'm, there's so many power hitters every year, but you know, it's a uh, big, you know, big pappy, whatever from Boston, uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I can't remember his name. I, I'm terrible. Names. Everyone knows this, but I just remember David his, Ortiz, uh, David Ortiz. I can remember his name. Classic. But that's what it feels like to me. Um, phase four was because I don't think it was bad. I just think that Marvel swung for the fences on a lot of different things because I think they had to. And with all that, how it, it definitely didn't always set with, you know, right with, all, with either of us. Right. And so there were things that I was like, that's cool. And like, eh, it, it didn't necessarily get me keep my excitement level at it was where we, when we saw obviously uh end game and, but that's almost impossible. Right. I mean, you, you, it's hard to come, you know, when we go up that high to stay at that level of excitement. It's just, it's impossible. It's just not realistic. And I think that, you know, phase four, you know, and let's be real here too. I, I want to make, make it very clear that I think if Marvel had access to the Fox characters right off, you know, at that time, while they're developing phase four, I think, you know, when they knew for sure that that was going down, et cetera, uh, I think that it would be, a, it'd look much differently. I, I really do believe so. And with that, you know, they they went with other characters they had to use. They couldn't use the X-Men. They couldn't use Fantastic Four. I, I just it's hard for me to believe, Sean, in my opinion, that they wouldn't go with Fantastic Four pretty quickly in phase four. Not because of, the, of the, the four in the name, but literally because it's like it feels like the natural progression of where it could go. Cause going that cosmic level with the Infinity Saga, that would be almost the ramifications of that into the Fantastic Four, right? At least for me. So and X-Men and all that stuff. So it's just for me, when I think about it, it does feel like Marvel, they weren't handicapped. I don't make that very clear. They weren't handicapped. But Marvel also had, they had to go stretch out to even further depths of their of their bench as far as the roster of different characters they could use. And they went with a lot more obscurity and a lot more diversity, and which I am very glad they did. And I think for the most part, they they succeeded in most of, I think, the projects they put out. They didn't always land for me, 
And there's many different reasons why. If you listen to the shows, you know what they are. And we'll, obviously, we'll probably talk about some things here or there. But for me... Yeah, unlike our I, NFL conversation, those were recorded. So you, yeah, can, those, yeah. <laughs> you can go back and listen. So, but with all of that said, I, I, I do like what, what they've done. And, I've, and we've talked about this on the podcast, I think privately. I do think phase four will end up being the most important maybe phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward because it's really putting it different things, kind of establishing different rules and different kinds of characters. And and that's important. And you're not always going to have huge returns and, and always have like everything can't just be the same, like critical success. It's so hard to maintain that. And we talked about phase one. You know, it's not like Thor and Thor was successful, but Captain America wasn't a giant runaway success that was developed over time through the Avengers. And and that's the way I look at phase four, even though there's huge successes like Shang-Chi, uh, you know, things like that, like huge, great new characters that are exciting, but not everything landed. And I'm just I'm curious where it's going to go and how they learn from their mistakes, because that's to me is what phase five really kind of is gets me excited is because there's the ramifications of phase four, I think creatively, I think financially, all those things play a part in how they develop the next set of films in the phase and how they take the story. And I'm, and I'm, you know me, if you listen to the show, I'm all about like the writing, the story, the story is the most important thing for me. The themes that to me is where I'm, I'm curious where it's all going to go. And if that's altered at all, I have no idea. There's we could talk for hours about speculation for phase five and we'll, we'll save that for later. But I, for me right now, phase four was, wasn't perfect. It wasn't bad. It wasn't amazing, but it's definitely, I will we'll say this, where it set it up for phase five, knowing what we have in phase five, Sean, I'm way more excited for phase five than I was for phase four. Be, but, but phase four did a lot of work to that help get me there too. But I am definitely more excited for phase five than I was absolutely for phase four. I think my love for the MCU is pretty much always the same, except just growing from day to day. It, it, it just, it, it grows all the more. Um, how sweet. But I think in terms of my levels of excitement, when I try and think about to create some sense of context, like where my excitement was at peak levels at different points in the MCU, in Iron Man, obviously, 2008 with Iron Man, because the whole thing was starting and we knew that Marvel was starting something, it, it didn't catch a lot of us at the time by surprise. I mean, hell, we it was spoiled before the movie came out that Nick Fury was going to be part of a post-credit scene to set up Avengers and stuff like that. But it was still seeing the whole thing start in 2008, but the excitement reached another peak when you see it pay off like it did with the Avengers in 2012. And then you get to phase three, which I'm going to talk more about phase three and how I think that's informed how people have felt in some ways about phase four, but that was certainly another peak with civil war in 2016 with Spider-Man joining the MCU in that film, black Panther joining the MCU in that film. And then you get to 2018, 2019 with just that fever pitch of infinity war and Endgame. And very recently I've been somewhat nostalgic for that year and, and reminiscing about 2018 quite a bit because as I've referenced on the show, like this is the 2018 was when this podcast, we brought it back in a big way after mostly being on hiatus for a good chunk of 2017. And also what was happening when we started the Patreon and started doing premium shows. But what else was happening in 2018? More important than what we were doing in our fun little podcasting world. But 
we were celebrating the 10th anniversary of Marvel Studios, the 10th anniversary of Iron Man. And it actually started late in 2017. I mean, the very first teaser for Avengers Infinity War, the great uh, Vanity Fair, like four different covers in that cover story about Marvel Studios 10 years in, uh, written by, I think, Joanna Robinson did most of the the heavy lifting on that one, on those pieces. Like, that was all amazing. And I still have those four covers, like those four uh, copies of Vanity Fair um, that I just, I absolutely love. And, and like, I just, that was great stuff leading to the MCU. And they even did like that legacy of the MCU kind of 10th anniversary video uh, leading into Infinity War. And we were doing the road to Infinity War at that time. And that was just such a, a great and, and just full time as an MCU fan, because you were excited about specific movies or I was excited about a specific movie that was coming up. And of course, Black Panther in February of 2018 excited about the specific movies that were coming out that year and, and what was promised in the year that would follow, but also just the the whole existence of Marvel Studios uh, 10 years later was in the fact that it was still around and and reaching new peaks and, and a whole lot of new fans coming into it in 2018. All of those things just elevated the excitement and it ch- just kept going and going and going and it reaches that crescendo with Avengers Endgame. So, and and I went into phase four with the understanding that it can't be like that again for a while. (laughs) Like you have to, the reason Infinity War and Endgame and that whole journey with those films and around those movies, the reason that was what it was is because we built to it. And I knew that Marvel Studios was going to have to take the time to build to it again. And so I was still very excited about phase four but in a different way and for different reasons than phase three, especially at the very end of phase three and the culmination of the Infinity Saga. But then the first year of phase four wasn't the first year of phase four, right? We went all of 2020 and we got Spider-Man Far From Home in June slash July of, uh, of 2019, June when I first saw the film, like in the July for summer 2019, and then nothing the rest of 2019, and nothing in 2020. So by the time phase four could actually start in January of 2021 with WandaVision, my excitement was at another peak level. Maybe not Endgame Infinity War levels, but pretty damn close because I was so freaking starved for the MCU as so many uh, so many of you were, I'm, I'm sure as well. I don't think I'm the only unreasonable one. And so I was so excited about that. And also I was particularly excited about WandaVision for everything, uh, all the, the potential that I thought that story had, and then it exceeded every expectation, everything I could have hoped for with that series. But also, that was the other part that was so exciting about Phase 4. It was really new territory for the MCU, not just in terms of exploring a bunch of new characters as they would do, and I think very successfully for the most part in Phase 4, this was a new medium, uh, a new storytelling medium for the MCU. The first three phases, all movies, and now the long-form series storytelling was going to take effect in 2021. So I was so excited for that. And I think for the most part, phase four delivered. Did I love everything? No, you can go back and listen to some specific episodes of Disney Plus series that I didn't like. And I overall, I didn't love every Disney Plus series on the same level as WandaVision or Loki, but you'll see very favorable opinions across the board for me for a lot of the Disney Plus stuff. And then on the movie front, 
Sure, you can go back and listen to the Multiverse of Madness spoiler review, and that still stands as far as my it's complicated relationship status with that movie. That holds to this day. But a lot of other stuff I was enjoying. I mean, I loved Black Widow, I think, more than a lot of people did, although that was still a very successful and well-liked movie. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings was incredible. Spider-Man No Way Home. That was already that Spider-Man No Way Home exceeded so many of my expectations for phase four because I didn't expect a movie that big going into phase four. And then we got it with Spider-Man No Way Home. I know I was a bigger fan of Thor Love and Thunder than a lot of people, including Paul. Um, And then I just loved Black Panther Wakanda forever. I mean, I think Marvel Studios, for me, my own enjoyment of what they put out in phase four it was great, and there wasn't anything that was maybe quite at Infinity War endgame levels, although I think No Way Home got pretty close, a lot closer than I thought it would, but there was some, there was stuff that I absolutely love, and movies and series and episodes within those series that I hold uh, very near and dear to my Marvel love and heart and will continue to, so as a fan... I feel I felt really good throughout phase four. I was very excited, which shouldn't be news to anyone who's followed along on this podcast. But even so, as much as I enjoyed phase four, and I know not everybody enjoyed it as much as I did, and we'll explore that. But this this segment is about our feelings. My feelings were very strong and very positive for phase four. All that said, like you, Paul, I am actually more excited for phase five. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it on the show. Just getting into this year. Forget about right. everything else. We ha- we'll have time for that down the line, and don't worry, I'll still address it in this segment because I can't shut up ever. But I am so excited about the movies we are getting over the next what six months or less uh, with what we're going to have with Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. You can go back and listen to our last episode. Everything I'm so excited about that movie and previous episodes of why I'm so excited about that movie and the potential that it has. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, go back a couple episodes, listen to our trailer breakdown. I am so excited about that, and it does have that culmination finale type of feel. Even though we're at the beginning of a phase, I think James Gunn is largely being allowed to stay in his own lane for that film, which is the right move. Uh, 100% agree with that decision. And so I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to be very, very special in so many different ways. And then I'm super excited about the Marvels. I mean, getting the team up of Monica Rambo, whether they call her, uh, whether they end up calling her Photon or Spectrum or whatever superhero name they go with, teaming up with Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel, it's going to be so much fun with that movie. And I think it's going to have, we haven't even caught a glimpse of it yet, but I think, I hope we will pretty soon. I mean, I hope we get a teaser in time for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I would love that. Uh, So we get a, a chance to see a little bit more or anything really from that film besides just the mid-credit scene for the Miss Marvel finale. So I, I'm hoping that happens, but I have high expectations for everything that is on the immediate horizon in theaters this year in 2023. And I know we're kind of lost in the woods right now, wanting to find out when are we going to start seeing some of these 2023 Disney Plus series. Uh, like you, I am eager to find out some premiere dates, at least one that I would be happy to have. Uh, for the Marvel yeah. series, and that is something that we will uh, also address on the show. But um, I I think this is going to be a pretty special year with a lot of great stuff. I, I think we're going to be coming out, out yeah. of 2023 feeling really, really good. And so in advance of that, my excitement level, it is at a peak, not like Infinity War Endgame levels, but it's at, at another peak 
that I, where my enthusiasm is in excitement level, it's very, very high right now. And I, I think, and that's just what's like staring us in the face in 2023. And then if I do mm-hmm. acknowledge the other things that are on the way in phase five and what it could mean, it, it just, it, it, we are going to build here. And, and I think that with what we're doing with Kang, and which I'll talk more about as we go on, not we're doing, I'm not making these story decisions, I'm just enjoying them. Um, but then with <laughs> what's going on with Val and Thunderbolts, um, all these other things that are going to be happening, I think, with Phase 5, regardless of like plot speculation and whatever else, there's just a really good lineup of movies and yeah. shows that are coming up that I'm very excited about. And also this is when we start to build, right? Like, and I think mm-hmm. phase six, like my excitement level will exceed where it's at with phase five because this is the way it's supposed to go. Like we mm-hmm. we start out with the initial emo- the initial stages of getting a brand new emotional investment, um, which wasn't even really brand new for the MCU, at least not for a lot of us. Right. And so, and then we build and it's supposed to get more exciting as it goes along until you build and build and build, you hit a crescendo, and then you start to build again. And, mm-hmm. you know, just one last point on this, um, mentioning the, uh, do I think they would have done things differently for phase four had they known about the Fox deal earlier? And, and again, it wasn't, a, a deal wasn't even agreed upon in principle until December of 2017. And by then they were deep into their phase four sure. planning, uh, no doubt about it. Um, and even even when like the deal itself didn't close, I think until March of 2019. Uh, so obviously by then, very deep into phase yeah. four planning, and uh, at that point you're deep into phase five and six planning. So I, I do think that some things would have been different had the deal happened earlier. Uh, certainly think uh, Fantastic Four probably would have been players in this earlier on, but. I think I certainly think it's actually benefited Marvel Studios that they didn't have the access to the X-Men until later, because I, I think it spared them from the temptation and gave them space to introduce all these other characters that they have in phase four that we have enjoyed so much. And we still get to have the eventual introduction of the X-Men and other mutant uh, characters, the Fox characters, Fantastic Four and everything else that's on the way in phase five, six and beyond that, I'm sure. And so I'm kind of glad that that got saved in the same way that even though in the Infinity Saga, would it have been nice if Spider-Man got to play earlier than Civil War? Yeah, it would have been. But it also made it that much more exciting when we finally did get Spider-Man at the start of phase three. And so sometimes the fact that even if it's not by design, even if it's just by circumstance, the fact that Marvel Studios doesn't always get to make all the choices they would have made in the, at the time at which they would have otherwise made them, sometimes what works out is actually for the better in the long run. Now, mm-hmm. I don't live in the timeline where Marvel had access to every character from the start, and I don't know oh, how that would have turned out, and it was probably pretty awesome in that timeline, but I know <laughs> what we have and what we sure. have been able to experience and what I believe lies in front of us uh, was pretty freaking great. And so, yes, I am uh, very, my excitement level, it, it's at another, it's at the peak for the multiverse uh, multiverse saga. It's at an all-time high for the multiverse saga, which we're not even that deep into. But yes, it's at another height because we're just going to keep building. And the steps that I think we get to take this year, I think are going to be really important and really exciting steps. So there we go. End of first segment. Uh, here on this. Uh, yeah, we, we are not good at being brief, but 
let's talk about um, some other opinions that are out there. Now, I think for a lot of you are probably just very much in agreement with either what Paul said or what I said or both or somewhere in between. But uh, these questions similar to this came up on some of the MCU mailbag uh, questions. And so I I feel like I want to address this. I don't want to just ignore that there's other conversation out there about the MCU. I mean, it's not really the function of this show. We're here to represent our opinions and our analysis or express that and articulate that as best we can. Um, But for the sake of conversation, addressing the state of the MCU, it's worth acknowledging that maybe not everybody feels as positive about phase four or as positive about where things currently are in the MCU as we do. I actually think most people do. I mean, to uh, clarify this up front, like, I don't actually think there's a good argument that phase four of the MCU has not been successful. I don't think there's, I mean, if you look at the box office and understand the box office in the context of especially the initial releases in 2021, you're coming out of the pandemic, which, you know, we're still not, I mean, movie theaters have not fully recovered from the pandemic. And actually they're never going to fully recover from the pandemic although they're now Marvel movies are at a place they're they're getting closer to where they were before. And even in some cases, like Spider-Man No Way Home, even better or relative to their franchise, like in the case of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, better than the franchise had ever done. And so when we're looking at things through the right lens and through the correct context of where things are theatrically, it's been very successful. And if you look at how things have performed on Disney+, Plus, again, very, very successful, at least as much as we know, because it's not like we get offered numbers on Disney Plus, but we've seen critical acclaim. We have seen Marvel shows consistently ending up in some of the most streamed shows relative to the time that they were coming out and they were dropping new episodes every week. We've seen in the measurements that we can, that we have the ability to, that we have access to, we've seen the success of this. There is still an incredible amount of excitement and just incredible, you know, love. Social media across the you know social media fandom, as we've seen, or fandom rather across social media, we've seen it for the MCU as we have before at levels even greater than before. Like the reach of the MCU is massive. The audience is still growing. There are still brand new fans of the MCU with every single new project that they launch. And then people who fall in love with the MCU with whatever attracts them to it in the first place, and then they go back and watch the other stuff. And their excitement, their enthusiasm builds and builds and builds. I think we have seen that happening in phase four, um, like we had in previous phases, but as I said, in even greater levels, maybe not as big of an immediate influx of new fans as we saw in 2018 or 2019, but only Marvel has the raw numbers on that to really know. But I think we've seen a lot of excitement. At the same time, have we seen some fans not loving every project as much? Yeah, we have. That's part of what's happened in uh, in phase four. So why does, like, how has that happened and why? Um, I would first just dismiss any of the arguments in bad faith. And you should know what, not you should, you probably know what those are. There are plenty of people who are criticizing the MCU because they don't like that it has become a more inclusive universe with better representation. There are some people who, for whatever reason, don't like that. I don't know why you wouldn't like that. Well, I do know why you wouldn't like that. There's no, There aren't good reasons to not like that. And so anything, just setting aside any of the bad faith arguments against the MCU, 
and what's been going on in phase four, focusing on on criticisms that have more validity, that are uh, much more legitimate. I, I think, Paul, when I look at it, and this is something we talked about off air, I do think some of that is some of that is Marvel Studios, and I'll talk more about that in a bit. But I do think expectation levels weren't fully reset after Phase Three. Like I, mm-hmm. I think it's been it had been such a long time that we, for fans who had been around in the early phases of the Infinity Saga, and that's not. And again, there are no fan rankings. I don't care when you became a fan of the MCU. I don't care mm-hmm. if it was since Iron Man or the Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy or Civil War or Black Panther, Infinity War, Endgame, Captain Marvel, WandaVision, whenever. I don't care when it happened. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a fan. I'm glad you're enjoying these stories like we do. But just for those of us who were there and might be able to remember what it was like, I think a lot of us forgot what it was like in phase one. Like it didn't, phase one did not feel like phase three. And so I I think phase three in a lot of ways, it kind of- uh, Spoiled us. It it spoiled us. It it spoiled us because, and everything was so big in phase three. Not literally every film. Some of them were a little bit smaller, but for the most part, we had such such heavy focus. And, And I think what with phase three, we got to know what we were building to for all of it, and even in advance of that, like phase three and the movies that were a part of it, except one that never got to play uh, in humans and then things that got added, like the Spider-Man movies, so much of that got announced in October of 2014 before phase two even ended, before Age of Ultron came out. And then Ant-Man, of course, in July 2015 was officially the, the last film of phase two. We had our eyes on the prize. We knew what was coming at the end of the road, not that we knew specifically what was going to happen, but we had the promise, we had the potential, what we were building to, and we carried that with us all the way in the end of through the end of phase two, and then all the way throughout phase three. That starting over, which wasn't even fully starting over, by the way, but just going back to that base level of building a new foundation for a new saga, I think that was a very different experience. And, and so I think we're and this is not to speak for anyone's feelings or anything like that, although, yeah, sure, there's, there's a bit of amateur psychoanalysis happening here. <laughs> but it happens with people. It happens with our expectations that we mm-hmm. we got used to it at a certain level in phase three, or if somebody was a new fan who became a fan at the height of phase three, or even after phase three, just didn't have that phase one mindset of, we have to build now. Like this is not going to look and feel like it did in so many ways as phase three. And by the way, if Marvel had tried to make phase four feel like phase three, you still wouldn't have liked it. So if, or I don't think we would have liked it because if everything is the biggest thing ever, nothing's the biggest thing ever. If everything is some sort of culmination uh, type of event, Nothing really is. I would even argue that some of what I didn't like about Phase 4 is Marvel actually did lean into trying to make some of these things feel bigger than they were. I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home, I, I think, was its own cheat code, and, and it worked brilliantly because they didn't cheat. They ultimately earned it in the storytelling of that movie. But Multiverse of Madness is certainly an example of a movie that was sold on this idea that it was massive and game-changing for the multiverse, but then it ultimately wasn't. Like, it's a relatively 
sell as as much as you can in the multiverse, relatively self-contained type of story. And I, I think as far as some other things in phase four, like I think Marvel maybe leaned too heavily and not necessarily Marvel, might've been Disney marketing. I don't know whose fault it was or who was responsible, but some <laughs> of the marketing did kind of, it wanted to have its cake and eat it too. Like wanted the storytelling to be able to serve as a foundation in phase four for the subsequent phases, while at the same time enticing the audience with like the Infinity War endgame feels that they had or the the potential for those for those levels of feels in, in phase four. Mm-hmm. And that was just never going to happen. I feel like a lot of the Disney Plus marketing, those stories got to just be what they were. Um, but some of the movies, I think the size scope of those movies was a little bit oversold. So that's where I could pin some of, I could take some of the blame off of us as fans and our expectations and put some of the blame back on the studio. So I, I think for some of the ways our expectations maybe weren't framed correctly, uh, which is a whole other, and that's not to say that like it, this is all about expectations. No, there are. there's also just liking and not liking the thing, but expectations mm-hmm. can inform how we feel about things. And mm-hmm. I, I do think there were some things that maybe fans didn't have the right mindset for, but also Marvel Studios didn't always do the best job or Disney marketing or whoever didn't always do the best job of cultivating the right mindset amongst the fandom. Yeah. See, I can I, criticize Marvel. Yeah. See, it, here's the thing where I kind of fall into it. And I think you agree to an extent as well with this is that it's it's not just, you know, predominantly two one. It's it's a combination of so many different factors going into it. And, you know, first thing I want to say, too, is phase four is like an introduction to a whole new set of characters that we really haven't had this really since basically, I'd say, but since phase one. And I think and I've said this before that they're laying the groundwork th- that maybe this won't be the most successful of the phases, but because of all the new characters they've introduced and the ideas, all those new MCU fans that you kind of talked about a little bit, Sean, like, you know, there's always new MCU fans coming through. And it reminds me of back, you know, with comic books, right? Like there's always, you know, editors back in the day used to always say, you have to treat every comic like it's someone's first comic book, which is a lost art in these days. But I want to digress oh, yeah. too much. Yeah. But, but, but. <laughs> Whole other podcast unto itself, as you would right. famously say. Right. But the thing is, what's what, what's what I think relatable to that now, Sean, is that the movies ha- do a great job of that. But I also think because you have because comics are n- the movies are not like the comic books where time keeps going. Actors age comics. They don't. You just keep going. You have you, you know, if you're going to keep a, a connected universe and not reboot, which I am very happy they are not. Obviously, you're going to have to develop these new characters. And that de- and that's what's cool is. All the kids are now, uh, you know, coming up. And again, maybe the MC won't ever make the same heights as it did with Endgame. But the thing is, what's so cool about the MCU is that it keeps evolving these new characters and that these new kids, they're becoming their, you know, their Captain Americas right now and those kinds of things, right? Like that's, and that's what I feel like we're getting the groundwork laid out. And it's not fully all all there yet because we're not, we're not through multiple films. Like I, I keep going back to Captain America. It, it took a number of different things uh, in films and growth for that character, for Chris Evans to like become who he is today. It wasn't like Cat first Avenger came out and he was like, I made a billion dollars. You know, No, that's, that is not what happened. It took Avengers to put that character and the actor kind of back on the map a little bit. Oh, yeah. Not the actor, but like, you know, the character propelling him in. And then obviously 
going into Winter Soldier. Now I say I say that because Phase Five has a lot of it because Quantum Mania is a great example of this. Quantum Mania, there's a lot riding on this movie, and I think it's going to be good. I, I have a lot of faith in it. I, I'm trying to keep my expectations in check. But with Jonathan Masters, like we've already seen him in in in, in the MCU, he's incredible. Jonathan Majors, incredible. but yes, Major. Oh my God, did it again! I did it again. He's the guy from. Uh, hey, look, he he is a master, you know, at yeah, his, at his craft. Thank you, Jonathan Majors. Excuse me, I was close. Jonathan Majors, he looks incredible as Kang. I mean, but if that doesn't work, it, things get could get interesting. But I think they're going to. But. With that, think about if Winter Soldier didn't work for Captain America. Like, it just, I don't think it becomes what it is. There's so much writing on each individual film propelling it into another, you know, stratosphere. And I look at Shang-Chi as a great example. That was a very successful movie. People love that movie. It's a great, it's one of the better MCU films by by far. Mm -hmm. Uh, And probably top tier, you know, phase four movie. You know, as far as I think, we'll get to that later. Um, But the thing is, to get him even to that level of Captain America, where it's like it's a it's a phenomena or an Iron Man, you need the other films, you need that Avengers kick to get it into that next level, and that's the thing about all with Phase Four that we didn't have that cult, you know cultivating uh, film to propel people into. It was just a bunch of new characters, and that's important, but you're not going to see the the fruits of that labor until. Six, probably even seven, five. You're still going to be, you know, introducing new ideas. Like you said, the lineups in this are incredible, mm-hmm. but there's so much that you introduce in these that phase four that you're not going to see the Shang Chi's pay off even. Fu- I think fully potential, full potential until later on. So, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a lot. I, I can understand people not just being like, what, what's going on? Because they, they did again going back to that power hitter analogy. They swung for the fences. With a lot of concepts, with Shang Chi, Eternals, Multiverse of Madness, you know, lots of things, all and I, all the TV series, man. I mean, like Loki, WandaVision, and they swung. And I think they, again, like a power hitter, they're they're gonna have like not all of them have high averages, but when they hit, they hit. And I think even from episode to episode, same kind of idea, even you know, microcosm of that whole thing, it's same kind of ideal, you know. And I just think that Phase Four. We're gonna look back on it differently. I really do. I I really do. Unless unless phase five and six are just complete garbage, which I don't think is gonna happen, then we don't. But if phase five and six are sustainable and keep developing, I think phase four we looked at differently. And because I also look at the things like all the things that you said, Sean, were one thousand percent on the money. But don't forget, COVID delayed Black Widow. I mean, we would have got yeah. Black Widow way sooner, and maybe that whets our appetite to that. And I do think Black Widow was marketed a little. Not the best, in my opinion. I don't think they sold it the best as far as... I I think they should have... In fairness to them, they had to do about three different marketing campaigns. That's fair. I want to give them a little bit of credit um, for... uh, Cut them some slack a little bit on Black Widow to an extent. Um, But, I mean, also, hey, when you show way too much of your movies, that also impacts, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at at you, Multiverse of Madness, and a lot of Marvel stuff over the past couple years. Hopefully... um, Hopefully things uh, with different people in charge, things change on that. But you hit on a really important point that actually does give me a, it's not a knock on phase four. This is actually, when we talk about the state of the MCU and I talk about how excited I am for phase five and then also phase six, I I do have a a concern going forward. And because you were spot on when you talked about, I mean, Captain America, the first Avenger, 
yes, a lot of us love that movie and have a soft spot for that movie for damn good reason. But no, that that didn't that is not when the world fell in love with Steve Rogers and the MCU. They really started liking Captain America because I mean, second lowest grossing film in MCU history, Captain America: The First Avenger. People really started falling in love with Captain America during the Avengers and then fell head over heels in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And that's also part of why Phase 3 felt so good is we went on journeys with these characters, especially with, as people would call them, the big three, Iron Man, Cap, and Thor. But here is my concern, Paul. As much as, much as I love Phase 4 and all these new characters that we were introduced to, there is no... As of this recording, no announced sequel for Shang-Chi between now and, and the end of Phase 6 with, with Kang Dynasty and then Secret Wars. And I, I think that's one of my concerns about this is because Marvel is telling so many different stories with so many different characters that we're not, get, we're not spending as much time with each individual character or even a small set of individual characters leading into the end of this saga. I mean, when you think about the journey that we went on and just break it down by the amount of screen time, and no, I did not do the prep work ahead of time to throw out those numbers, but just you can estimate the amount of time we all spent with Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. So when we got to the end of that journey with them, in Endgame, and it's not to take anything away from the other characters, but even the amount of time we spent with the Guardians, or even though she hadn't had her own film yet, Natasha, who had popped up in so many other places in the MCU, we spent so much time with those characters and tracking their arcs that when that really had a chance to pay off in Infinity War and Endgame, man, was that satisfying. And I think that's where I'm a little concerned about this because I'm, I'm where where will we get to keep investing and building our emotional investment in some of these characters so that the payoffs in Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars are as big as they were for some of the characters in the Infinity Saga? That's one of the questions that I'll be interested to see if Marvel Studios has an answer for it as we move forward. I think Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars are going to be absolutely bonkers. I think they're going to be amazing and exciting movies. But I also feel like the depth of the emotion, it might be harder for, for Marvel to reach that. Like that's that's part of why the audience could not help themselves but scream and cheer when Cap got Mjolnir or when you got to Portals and Avengers Assemble. It was the journey that got you there. And I don't know that the journey is really as big or as significant for all of these other characters at, at the same time. Like, I, I think that's going to be interesting. Like, if we're not getting sequels to some of these projects, I mean, some characters we know where we're going to get to see them next. Like, Yelena, we've already been able to see her in a couple spots, and we'll see her again in Thunderbolts. But where are we where are we picking up again with Shang-Chi? Like, we should see this character again before we get to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. And, um, you know, at least we know Miss Marvel. Okay, that will carry forward in the Marvels. So that that's very helpful. But then other characters like who got introduced to maybe on Disney Plus, like where does Moon Knight factor into all of this? And may not factor into the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars stuff. But we've right. we've met a lot of new characters, but... 
how much of their story are we going to get in this saga? I don't see where the math works out for us to get as, and I guess Wanda certainly has had her journey between WandaVision and now Multiverse of Madness. She ain't done. So she, she might be, done. she would be one of the characters who maybe has the longest arc in uh, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. I promise and, you. And, and Scott Lang also could be somebody who factors into that in a big way. But that's still, here's my, my knock on that. In both of those instances, you're trading off of Infinity Saga stars and not the new stars who were created and launched in Phase 4. I appreciate that these are characters getting more attention, and in the case of Wanda, her own individual thing with WandaVision, um, and all of, that, all of that's great, but some of these new stars, I think, need, new, need more build than they're getting, but yeah. that's only because I can't see the picture. Like For all yeah, I know, exactly. Shang-Chi right. is popping up in some of these other things that have been announced, and we just don't know how or why. But I want to see more build to it. So that's one of the things that I'm putting out there for the state of the MCU as we move forward uh, of one of the concerns I have and, you know, and, and being on the lookout to see, as I said, that is a, a potential issue. And I I'm very curious to see what uh, what answer Marvel Studios has for it. Well, see, I have I have a lot of rebuttals because I don't think we're not going to see Shang-Chi uh, and after Secret Wars, I think it's going to be before in, in his own film. I think there's, I think there's, there's room and time for them to like save announcements for other. Yeah, but you mean, be, so. you mean another Shang Chi movie before Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars? Because because the guy already, who would make that movie is making Kang Dynasty. But 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 we don't but we don't know if they are they that guy's not just going to produce it and have pick a successor like that's and, true. He's already because he's already doing Wonder Man. So, um, you know, so the thing, the way I see it is cause, cause we all, there, there were leaks and rumors about that, that title for a Shang-Chi movie and who knows that if that's real or not, I, I just, I, there's something about it to me that maybe, maybe him going to King dynasty was a last minute thing. We don't know the whole story or what's going on, but there are been shakeups like with the blade stuff going on, you know? So I feel like Shang-Chi could be in a good place still because of who's shepherding that character. And, and I think that um, it's, you you don't want to leave it that long unless he's going to show up in King dynasty. And there's kind of maybe, pre, maybe in cameo and a couple other things to kind of remind people he's still around and be predominantly yeah. in. I, I just King dynasty. Yeah. I want to see Shang Chi, even if it's, not, though, even if it's yeah. not in his own movie, this is a character, especially because the way they intro the way they introduced him with how great that movie was, but also the mid credit scene, right? Like, oh, where yeah, did the yeah. Ten Rings come from, and the ancient origin of that? Like, that's okay. I, I want to see that get more follow up in advance of Kang Dynasty, so that way it means even more when we get to Kang Dynasty. Like, when does Kang Dynasty come out? Um, I think that one is May of twenty five. Uh, I think is uh, is okay. Kang Dynasty. So. Um, let me look it up right now. Yeah, yeah 2025. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I mean, right. there there's not enough time for Destin Daniel Cretton to direct a Shang-Chi movie ahead mm -hmm. of Kang Dynasty. Because remember, sure. like, Marvel movies are already big. Avengers movies are that on steroids. So, like, it, it's just, right. it's a different, especially now that, like, Avengers movies are not the cappers to a phase. These are now, like, what, what culminates a, a saga. I don't see the room there. And... I mean, for yes, there is the the potential. Uh, there is the option of get another director to put that together. But I mean, we're already 
we're two years away from that movie, so I, I don't think that I, I, I don't think there's an, a Shang unless Marvel's been developed is way ahead of the game and they're like about to start shooting a Shang Chi movie this year. That's true. Um, That's true. You know, I don't see the space for it, but that doesn't mean that Shang Chi doesn't factor in in a meaningful way somewhere else. Like, and it, it just because like so many of these movies, like we know the titles and that's about it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's actually nothing that, that keeps Shang-Chi and this is not a prediction. There's nothing that keeps Shang-Chi out of, uh, you know, out of, uh, what was that? Thunderbolts. <laughs> like I was, was, was going to say the same thing. There's nothing Honestly. that, that rules him out. I mean, his sister, by the way, Shai Ling, and the way she takes over the 10 rings, man, that feels like a good fit for Thunderbolts somewhere, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, again, not a prediction, just these are the things where, and I'm not even saying any of that is even remotely likely to happen. Just these are things that are, are available in the MCU if those are the choices that have been made, and I have no idea what they've decided to do. But I really do, I just want to see some of these things build. I mean, there is, to alleviate some of my concerns, yes, I, I look at what they've done, with Wanda, although my thoughts on on just the damage they've done in Multiverse of Madness well documented. Love me some Wanda. Love <laughs> you some Wanda Multiverse of Madness. Love <laughs> that movie. Anyway, love I, I look forward to her uh, redemption arc and, and how they try to earn it. Um, also addressed, by the way, on Fanshow Plus uh, in, an, in an MCU mailbag <laughs> episode. Available now. Patreon.com slash John and on Apple Podcasts. Shameless plug alert number two. Um, so I, I want, but there are other characters, again, besides Wanda, Loki is a character that we have a high level of investment in, obviously. Sam Wilson is somebody who we got to see in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we got to see again. Uh, we will get to see again in Captain America, New World Order. And then, of course, uh, you know, we talked about uh, another, the person who shared the title of that series with him, Bucky, continuing on in Thunderbolts. So there are characters that will appear and have meaningful roles in multiple projects in advance of the Kang Dynasty. So it's not like it isn't happening with anyone, but man, Iron Man, Cap, and Thor sure had an advantage that they all had three movies before we got to um, Infinity War and Endgame. So it'll be interesting to see how Marvel finds that balance by introducing so many new characters over you know the course of Phase Four, Five, and Six. Because by the way, look at how many more are joining the party uh, in the between now. Well- and Kang yeah. Dynasty slash Secret Wars. So, you know, so there's a lot of different differences, obviously, too, because the, the dynamics of Hollywood are different by the time they're developing, the you know, phase one through three and everything. And one of the other things that, that we probably have to really take into account of, because you can't just put everything in a vacuum and be like, this is you know, isolated, and be like, oh, you know, whatever. You can do that, but it's not fair because the one thing, and I think you we've talked about this again we're phase four, five, and in, in, in forever as far as in, uh, until the MCU officially ends, which hopefully won't be for a long time, Sean. But they're developing like side hustles, you could say, side stories, where you have the mm-hmm. Daredevils. You've got maybe the Blades and those things, and maybe the cosmic stuff with, with Guardians of the Galaxy, and where, where you talk about where the Eternals were showing up. People are asking, where, where, you know, you brought up a great point. We're, you're building these characters like Shang-Chi and the Eternals, but where are they going to show up again? Like, we don't really see that with our eyes right now. And that's a fair point. And that's where I would say, like, that's the one thing that I have to remind myself is that they didn't have the luxury of having more condensed storytelling uh, or, the, or, or, excuse me, they had the luxury of having condensed storytelling in the MCU from phase one through three. But four, five, and infinite going on, you have the two mediums you have, right, Sean, and that you can't 
they're they've introduced so many characters they're not all going to be tied into the same like right. like infinity wars it's not, it's impossible yeah, it's just, certain, it, it's yeah. too crazy yeah and you know, we've talked and, about that too with like even you know i mentioned moon knight and then you know mm -hmm. quickly backed him out of kang dynasty and sequel wars not to say he won't pop up but yeah sure we've talked about the whole like occult um you know mystical magic Mid midnight suns yeah whole, we, we've that, talked about how that up. is its own corner that doesn't even have to play in the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars space, that is Moon right. Knight, Blade, possibly Black Knight. Like we we've talked about how those things can factor in in different ways, and and even Daredevil, you know, like not unlike Netflix, street level superheroes, but with costumes this time. Um, like there are different things, there are different ways that they can approach this. That not every character, and, and you know, focus Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars on the characters that have had a chance to have their journeys built up to and, and pay off mm -hmm. in those. And then, but the other thing, you know, this is getting, I don't want to spend too much time on this digression, but here it goes. Um, you know, if we, if we, <laughs> last words. if certain things come to fruition, like we have talked about, like what if Robert Downey Jr. is sharing the screen with Hugh oh. Jackman and secret wars? Like it's happening. Yes. That's exciting. But you know, Downey's been on the sidelines for, will have been on the sidelines for the whole saga and then come in at the end, which is taking up space and leaving less time for some of the people whose stories were actually right. built in phases four, five, and six. So it, it's not saying that's wrong. That's inherently going to be bad. It's just highlighting that that would be a challenge. If you make that choice, yes, that will be thrilling for fans and we will scream our heads off when we see that, if or when we see that happen. But in the storytelling, you have to earn that moment, which they found a brilliant way to do, because that could have been one of the same things that could have derailed Spider-Man No Way Home, but they found the right answer for it. So they got to find that type of answer, a correct answer for Secret Wars, if that's the route they go. But adding to that, in terms of the correct answers you have to find that are not going to be super easy with your creative problem solving, is how do you also make sure that the characters who have been on their journeys more specifically, more recently throughout this saga, how do you make sure that they don't get shortchanged and that their stories pay off in a satisfying way? Um, and that's where I'll put a button on it because I, I, I don't want to derail this anymore than I, I already one, did. I have one, I, I, the only thing I, in my, I'll, I'll leave it as a prediction, I'll be really quick. I just think that Kane Dynasty will be the end of the that universe's like story. But but Secret Wars will be an isolated cap from everything else. It's not going to be tied directly into the current MCU. It'll be its own kind of like celebration of Marvel, Marvel characters. And that's what I think it's going to happen. You're going to have a, a combination of all kinds of different cameos or not even cameos, but different like actors like the Tobey Maguire's, Andrew Garfield's, uh, J J Jr.'s, uh, Evans, all of them. There's going to be that Secret Wars. There's going to be a bunch of, maybe some other MCU characters might show up, but it's not going to be a predominant MCU thing. It's going to be a culmination of everything together. It's what I feel. And that's, if you, if you do it that way, Sean, and you button it, like you kind of said, like with, in my opinion, if you do King's Dynasty as those characters can move on and you're, you're setting up the next phase, which I think is that's, that's where it's really important with this new Avenger team that you're establishing in King's Dynasty, King Dynasty, excuse right. me, then Secret Wars becomes less of an issue and more of a celebration. Does that make sense? And I feel it makes total it's, sense. It's, and I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I'm not even shameless plug alert number three. I even addressed the idea that, uh, and we've talked about this before. 
I, I don't think Kang is guaranteed to be the main or even if he is a primary antagonist, the only primary antagonist in Secret Wars. Like there are other options that are out there. And um, whether that's Beyonder or Doctor Doom, if you go the Hickman route, which I could be excited about, but also see how maybe better to save Please Doom for don't. later. But Please don't. regardless, like there, I, I do, I think that's also part of it, besides like the practical um, realities that they discovered um, when they nearly crushed Marcus and McFeely and the Russo brothers by having the same director team and creative team do both Infinity War and Endgame so close to each other. I don't know that they're ever going to do anything like that, but I also think that having a different creative team in each of those movies sets them up to have very different movies in Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. So you could have some of the, the emotional payoffs happen in Kang Dynasty in advance of Secret Wars. But the other thing is I can counter my own, I'm, I'm so good at arguing, I can argue against myself. The difference between Secret Wars and Endgame as like the last culmination event in a saga is Endgame happened, we watched it 11 years after we watched Iron Man, for those of us who watched Iron Man in 2008. Secret Wars coming out in 2026 will be about, you know, five years and change after this saga started with WandaVision. So it doesn't have to pay off in all the same ways that Endgame did. Because what you, the difference between Secret Wars and Endgame, let's say for the sake of a, a character like Shang-Chi, Endgame had to pay off in a certain way because that was going to be the end for the foreseeable future for Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. And even in the case of Thor, it needed to be an ending so you could start a, a brand new direction for the character going forward in phase four. I don't think you have to have that for Shang-Chi. Like Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars can be the midpoint for a character like Shang-Chi, whose story then continues in a sequel post Secret Wars that builds, uh, that is part of the build to, uh, toward the next saga level event for whatever is happening, you know, phases seven, eight, nine for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that is a difference. Like it doesn't have to do all the, this, this saga doesn't have to do all the same things that the Infinity Saga did. And that is where you can keep the story going for, uh, you know, that, that's where you can think, keep things going exactly. and, and, and have the big satisfying payoffs. They just don't all happen at the end of this saga in the way that so many of them did. Um, but of course, there were important moments in the journey where big payoffs happened after the end of the Infinity Saga, as we saw for characters like Wanda Maximoff um, and Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes. So like these things can happen. These stories continue for these characters. So really what happened is I just spent the past 30 minutes arguing against myself. But the good thing is either way I won. So um, yeah. I, it, it really worked out. But um <laughs> I, just getting back to you to finally try to put a button on this segment that sorry, somehow man, ended sorry. up being even longer than the last one. Oh, you don't have to apologize. This one's totally on me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that it's funny. I, now watch me just beat the crap out of this baseball analogy you've had by continuing it. You know, you mentioned the MCU and it being a, a power hitter. And so that means you're, you're going to hit some home runs, but you're going to strike out. I, I don't really know that the MCU has struck out in phase four and, and maybe some of you would disagree on a specific project. I mean, even uh, multiverse of madness isn't a total strikeout for me again, complicated relationship. It's like an error 
where they reach base and you don't know if they really deserved it, but they did. It got ruled an error in my mind, but it was a difficult play, but they still reach base. So it's still, I guess, sort of fine and moves the game forward. But um, uh, let, let me make the baseball analogy worse. Uh, I see it boy, for people who don't care about baseball. I'm so sorry. Um, I actually feel like maybe the MCU is more of a contact went from being a home run hitter to a contact hitter <laughs> in phase four where you didn't necessarily have everything being a home run, but you had some doubles and some singles. Like you had a lot of solid hits that maybe didn't reach the heights of the most amazing moments you'd ever seen. Although in some cases they did. Um, I just think really what we saw in phase four, similar to you phase one and phase two. Like I think part of the, what spoiled us in phase three, it wasn't just that we were building to the big thing and the ultimate payoff Phase three, I mean, top to bottom was, I mean, not everybody is going to agree about certain things like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 or Ant-Man and the Wasp, but man, like some really big home runs in phase three, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, Endgame, and I, I think what we lost sight of is we were just loving the hell out of phase three was the ebbs and flows of phases one and two. Like, phase one had an Iron Man 2, um, which I know we like that movie more than most, Paul, but sure, like, it, it was it, it was not universally regarded by everyone as being as amazing as its predecessor. Also had the Incredible Hulk, a solid but not necessarily spectacular entry in the MCU. Uh, phase two had Iron Man 3, which... I have loved and defended uh, vehemently since 2013, but not everybody felt the same way about that film. And then, of course, there's Thor The Dark World. So there were there were drop-offs in the MCU uh, and maybe a little more frequently in, in phases uh, one and two and maybe even in earlier portions of phase three. And even Ant-Man and the Wasp, like if that movie didn't quite uh, you know do it for you in, in July of 2018... It didn't matter because we were all just reeling from Infinity War and excited about Endgame. So I, I think the experience in phase one and phase two, that's certainly something that prepared me for phase four was that, yeah, I was already used to the idea. Granted, I hadn't really had to go through that experience for a while in the MCU of not always being amazed by everything I saw, like the ebbs and flows of phase four, which I still think there was a way more that was great about phase four than there were uh, things that were less than great about phase four. But for those little dips in those moments, an episode of a Disney plus series I didn't like or Eternals that you can go back and you can check the tape. We, we said a lot of good things about Eternals and deservedly so, but there Mm -hmm. were also some flaws that we identified in that movie. Um, The end result was, even though I liked a lot of that movie, it it certainly didn't live up to my expectations for that movie. I, I, I had I, I expected a lot more from that movie than we ultimately got, or I thought I was going to get a lot more out of it than I ultimately did, just speaking for myself. But I was used to that. Like, I know what that's like, and so that didn't really derail things for me with Phase 4. I was prepared for and ready for those ebbs and flows. And part of the reason I was prepared for that Phase four is the biggest phase in the history of the MCU up until this point in terms of the sheer number of stories. It was amazing that Marvel Studios hit on the level that they did to to be as close to perfect as they were, as often as they were, 
which I know a lot of other people who are not going to listen to this podcast would totally scoff at, and maybe even a few of you who are listening, hi. But mm-hmm. I, I think for you know so many of us, like with the first three phases, it was so consistent, but it was an unrealistic level of <laughs> of consistency that it was already amazing and it was already an outlier in terms of how sustainable it was for as long as it was throughout the first three phases through the entirety of the Infinity Saga. We, I mean, we even talked about it. Like, as they make more stories than ever before in phase four, it was bound to happen that there were going to be some stories that were not as universally loved across the board by as many of us as there used to be or not. It wouldn't happen with uh, at the same percentage as it used to happen because there's just more stuff. And the other thing that happens is as you tell these different stories and you invite so many different perspectives to the table and you approach it with the level of specificity that I I think they've done such a great job of doing in these stories, not everything is going to speak to everyone on the same level. And not everyone is going to be moved on the same level as everything, uh, as every single story, was I as moved by Eternals as I was by Shang Chi? No, I wasn't. Um, but that's okay. Uh, was I as moved by uh, Moon Knight as I was WandaVision? No, I wasn't. Um, but that's okay. I was still able to enjoy a lot of Moon Knight. But not everything was going to be as awesome for everyone. And that's just, it was already incredible and basically impossible and a miracle that Marvel was doing it so often in the Infinity Saga. It's not really a surprise and shouldn't be a surprise that as you tell more stories, you're bound to end up with some uh, that not everybody is going to like as much as they normally do. And by the way, that's different projects for each of us. One of my favorite time periods now to refer back to in the history of this podcast (laughs) is May through July of 2022, where Paul and I were flipped. Like it was you loving the crap out of Multiverse of Madness, me having my own complicated feelings about it, and then... Just two months later, we we go and watch the same movie, and I come out loving Thor, Love and Thunder, and you come out of it being like, eh, and you know, and that's fine, by the way. Yeah, like I, yeah, I yes. think that, uh, and maybe it's this is where reading comics really prepares you because when you read so many stories about these characters, you're very you become very accustomed to the idea, and you mm-hmm. already knew that you were spoiled by the MCU with the level of consistent we got consistency we got. You read enough stories with these characters. Not everything is going to land with you as well as the story before it or the story that will come after it. And it it just varies. You're used to that variation in your own experience with these things. Um, And I think that's where, again, going back to that point of we were just so spoiled by the first three phases. And this is not to apologize for or explain away as much as it might seem like it any disappointments in phase four, because again, overall, my impression of phase four is that it was excellent. And there was, again, a lot more that was great about it than was less than great. But the normal ebbs and flows that we would expect when you tell that many stories, they happened in phase four. But I would still say, baseball analogy one more time, Marvel's batting average was still better than most of the other studios out there who are consistently putting out movies and adding streaming series to their portfolio. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that, you know, for the most part, I think this phase has been, you know, pretty solid. I, I didn't, you know, there was a couple duds here and there for me. 
and, and I use I only use the the baseball analogies just to kind of give a, a an idea of how I perceive a little a few things just for me personally. And there's a lot to me. There's like there's more the things that hit for the MCU in Phase Four that they hit, and things that didn't they just didn't register a hit for me as far as I didn't hate them. They were productive outs, you could say, like a sacrifice fly to bring that analogy even further for everybody. <laughs> uh, but but you get what I'm saying, like move the runners over. But it's not they just they weren't like my favorites. And uh, honestly, I, I struggle with even trying to rewatch some of these things, even the TV series. And and part of it's time. It's I just don't have a lot of time to go and rewatch all these things. These things, but I I I need to rewatch all of them. And you know, and, and again. Wakanda, I, I always forget, Wakanda Forever is like the, the best ending of a phase phase movie maybe ever. It's not like a, you know, Endgame or something. That movie's incredible. I mean, it's, I always forget, I always assume that's phase five. I don't know why I always do, but I always think it's a phase five film. But no, I, I think that the, the state we're in right now is really interesting because of all the different kinds of stories we're getting. I think it's ultimately a good thing. And I I am very curious how Phase Five introduces Kang and, and where where Scott is because I do think with all these new younger characters, there there are a lot of things they haven't announced yet that maybe are still happening in Phase Five and Six, Sean. That they have. and that's why it makes me think maybe there is a Shang Chi movie still coming out. I, I don't know, but probably not the way we're talking. But either way, it just something feels like there's more coming that they are they're, they're trying to kind of solidify. And that's, or maybe it's going to be announced for right after Secret Wars because the, I think maybe they're, oh, it's not like saying the multiverse saga is worthless and, or it's uh, just a way for them to get time moving to get to where they want to go after multiverse uh, saga. But at the same time, there's a lot of cool things we're setting up that I don't think we're going to get a payoff for until after this whole thing is over. Agreed. So, so I, and I think that is very much what, you, we have to temper our expectations for, and maybe that maybe we're wrong. Maybe that's what they are doing, but it doesn't feel like they're doing that. And I think if you're expecting it to be exactly like phase four, one through three, you are setting yourself up for some disappointments because it's, it's not because there's too much going on. I think in the MCU to all connect to one thing, but it's still going to be connected and they're still going to, you're still going to hear about the 10 rings. You're still going to hear about a guy in, in, in Egypt in a moon in an all mummy outfit running around or, or, you know, there's going to be things connected or, you know, we're having disturbances in, in the cosmos or in, in space and our satellites are getting all messed up because probably because of, of guardians and Marvel stuff going on. You know, there's always going to be a, that connected tissue that the MCU and the Marvel comics have always done a great job of. And really, I think popularized, popularized, excuse me, um, into, uh, I think a pop culture that has embraced a whole shared universe mentality, um, to the mainstream audience. So, I think it's always going to be there. It's all going to be direct connected. I think that we are expect, expecting with those culminations. So, but at the same time, you know, before we wrap up here, I'm just going to say the one thing I would say. Oh, also, we're not even it, close to wrapping up. Well, but, but I just want <laughs> wrapping to up this segment. Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> the one thing I will say is I think Shang-Chi has a good chance of showing up in Captain America, new world order. Um, because I think that movie is going to be the movie that has kind of like, it's going to be the, the, the it's a, it's going to move plot along for a lot of the narrative for the, the characters and in in, that's in the main 616 MCU universe. And it's, you're not going to see a, a, a lot of those seeds we see in that and probably Thunderbolts. I mean, and Thunderbolts might dab both, to be honest, Sean, like be a multiverse thing, you know, and also afterwards kind of set up that. 
I think it's going to set up both those things together. And I wouldn't be shocked if Shang-Chi showed up in some kind of cameo where it's we're reminding audiences, hey, this guy's still around. And, he, and then he'll show up eventually in, in the Avengers movie to establish that he knows Sam and all that stuff, too. So that's where I'm kind of headed towards with that. I could definitely see that happening. Also could see Shang-Chi popping up in other projects. We mentioned Thunderbolts. I mean, there's other places that the character could pop up between now and the Kang Dynasty. And not that Shang-Chi is the only one, but it's just one of the examples I come to first because of how much I enjoyed that character, but also Same. just how good and how successful that first film was that like this is a character that you know the audience has an appetite for and would be looking forward to seeing um, again before... Uh, presumably Kang Dynasty. But one before we start talking about some changes that we expect to come um, to set up the eventual, se- the eventual segue, it is interesting that point you mentioned about how rewatchable things are. I, I have gone back and I have rewatched uh, every, I mean, I rewatched everything from 2021 to get ready for the MCU Fan Awards and again for some of those things since. Uh, I'll be rewatching whatever I haven't rewatched or already have rewatched. I'll rewatch again as we prepare for the MCU fan awards that are coming up to honor the best in the MCU from the year 2022. We've just been waiting for Black Panther Wakanda Forever to be available at home, uh, which is happening very, very soon. Um, so that is uh, that is coming up. But in terms of how rewatchable things are like that, that whole mindset for me is different because of exactly the point that you brought up, which is very on theme for Kang and what we're on the cusp of for phase five. It's time. And ha- and it's not even just have everybody gets busy because our lives are, all of our lives are busy, but you have way more you have to rewatch from the MCU. Like for most of the Infinity Saga, we had, most of those years were two movies very easy to rewatch them over and over and over again because that was all you had. Now we've had so many movies, so many, just forget about movies and series, just so many hours of MCU story that have been added each year in phase four and will be added in subsequent phases that it, it, I think it changes our relationship with this content. Like it changes our relationship with these stories. Like we are not... I think it's harder to be as invested in every individual story because of that rewatch factor that even if you want to rewatch things, these things a thousand times, you can't because there's so much more that you have to add on to that rewatch cycle. And so the, our relationship with these in each individual story, I, I think is different now than it was during the infinity saga. And also let's not forget, remember that year that we had nothing in 2020 from the MCU I'm sure I wasn't the only one who spent a lot of that time to get over missing the MCU, rewatching the MCU. So that was also a, a big part of it is we're just adding and building our reverence for these first three phases. And we haven't had as much time to build that reverence for the the projects in phase four. And it, I don't know that it's going to be like that again. It's ever going to be like it was in the first three phases because I don't see Marvel Studios slowing down that much, but... Here's that segue I promised. As we look at changes that are coming as we move forward, I do think Marvel Studios is going to slow down a bit. And it's not because they don't feel like they can keep up with the pace that they have through phases four, through phase four, and as they're going to be doing with phase five and six, but they are going to slow down. I, I think that us getting as many new series, I don't think movies are slowing down. 
three or four a year is probably going to be pretty standard, especially with the way they perform at the box office. And the fact that Marvel movies are amongst a, a, a relative few movies that are performing on those levels at the box office on a consistent basis. So Marvel movies aren't going anywhere. They're not slowing down. But as far as Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, I do think those are going to slow down. And we've already heard about some potential delays to some of the some of the series that were slated for this year might get pushed to next year. And if that happens, there's going to be a domino effect. And I think what you're seeing is perhaps Marvel Studios stretching out the inventory they already have. And then as they add new series, maybe not as many per year as we've seen before. And I think that makes sense. And I also think that it's not, I don't even necessarily see that as a, I can see that as a decision that benefits creative, but it's not necessarily a creative driven decision. It is going to be a business decision. What is streaming being challenged with or has been challenged with for the past year that it wasn't when everybody just automatically loved it for several years? Well, now there's a lot more accountability when it comes to profitability. Are you actually profiting from this. And the difficult thing about the Marvel Studio series and Star Wars as well for Disney is that yes, they attract a lot they have attracted a lot of subscribers to Disney Plus. The problem is they're very expensive. They're all like 100 million dollars plus. Uh, maybe some of them came in a little bit uh, a little bit under that, but on average, they're some of the most expensive TV and streaming shows that you're going to find and it's very hard to be profitable when your biggest draws are you're just always having to put out very expensive shows. So I think where we've been spoiled at seeing three or four, you know, live action Marvel Studios series a year, you might see that scale back to one or two Marvel Studios series a year. And that because would they have fewer, would people cancel their Disney Plus subscription because they were getting two Marvel shows a year instead of three? Probably not. Um, I think that you still have that same subscriber base for less money that you're spending, it's more profitable. And I know as fans, you can cry out, that means they're giving us less for the money. I know that's eventually gonna happen when they wanna be more profitable. In fact, they're gonna give you less by charging you more because the price for Disney Plus is only ever gonna move up, not down. Um, But I know that I'm still gonna be subscribed because I'm gonna want access to all of these Marvel Studios originals on Disney Plus. But even if they they trim the series back uh, one or two a year, they can supplement that with Marvel Studio special presentations, which in some ways are not as good of an investment because that only gets you one premiere date out of every special presentation as opposed to series that get you several episodes. But as we saw with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, there's potential cost savings that exist within the special presentations when you can occasionally combine them, you know, mold them into uh, mold them into the product the production costs of another movie share some of the costs that are coming from a movie so there are creative ways to do that to add to the mix with the marvel studio special presentations animation is less expensive and they can rely on that more as they go forward even including some more animated stuff that might be mcu canon those are the options that i think they have and i'll be interested to see how they approach the live action disney plus series one of the options that we can do, again, uh, thrown out by our, our pal Robert, is the idea that, you know, not every Marvel Studios Disney Plus series has to be a super expensive one. They could have one that's bigger and more fantastical each year and another one that's a little more street level. And that is, again, a less expensive version of a Marvel show, but we all really like it because, hey, we're all pretty excited about Daredevil Born Again, right? And, and rightfully so. So I think you are going to see some changes, and I do think that will, that may result in, 
fewer hours per year of Marvel Studios stories than we were spoiled with in 2021 and 2022. But honestly, I'm actually okay with that. I know it's a little less Marvel and and probably a little less Star Wars as well for the money I spend for my Disney Plus subscription. But if if what I'm getting is still high quality content and the quality is maybe more at the level of consistency than it was, you know, that we were accustomed to in the first three phases, especially in phase three, although I don't really think quality control has been an issue in phase four, then I'm still going to be happy about it. And I would also just challenge them to deliver other Marvel Studios inspired content along the lines of Marvel Studios Assemble, panel discussions with filmmakers, actors, and stuff like that. There's all kinds of less expensive original stuff that they can and should be adding to Disney Plus to mm-hmm. that's much cheaper to produce and adds to and, and supplements for any drop off if they do make you know produce fewer hours of original content for Disney Plus each year. I'm fine mm-hmm. with that and there's ways around it, but I, I do think that's a change that's coming because of the the task that's in front of them to make the streaming operation profitable. I've gone on record many, many times and I've said, give me special presentations over TV series. I have loved, I love, love, love both the holiday special and both the werewolf by night. If I love the condensed storytelling, I think it fits the, um, I just think it fits these, don't get me wrong. The, the TV series fits Marvel characters too, but it just, there's something about the condensed ideas that they put into this and it's it's a lot more just kind of fast paced and maybe it's because i'm i'm also biased because I, I like it because it's only one it's only a couple hours opposed to like you know it's not three, even a couple four, hours it's, uh, it's an, an, hour. an hour or less yeah so so yeah i it's it's less investment for me for my time and, and that's critical it really is critical for me and and that, and as I get older, maybe it'll get easier for me. I don't know. Um, but either way, as far as more available time to rewatch things, I am trying to, to get my head around. Like I need to rewatch Phase Four all the way through because I'm Jones and to rewatch all this stuff again. Because um, because I, I am getting so excited for Phase Five, I'm like I gotta get watch Black Widow. I gotta get, rewatch Shang Chi. You know all that stuff. Um, but yeah, like I, I just, for me, I know we disagree a little bit on this one, Sean, I, I definitely think that the, that the special presentations is where they should go. I said the same thing for, for Andor. I think Andor yeah. should have been, um, to be honest, uh, three, uh, four, um, cause the, all the episodes were in arcs, like the Clone Wars were, you know, three episodes telling one ma- you know, main story, which I love. And I think they should have released as one special presentation film throughout the year, like just one here, one there, and just you know get, keep it consistent. I think there's so much potential for Marvel Universe, uh, Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe special presentations. You can get like four or five a year, but have them all over the place and and really develop things. Um, I I prefer that to be honest to TV series, but again, that's just my opinion. But I think that to me is where you supplement. If you're only getting two series, maybe you get two series and maybe a couple special presentations or maybe yep. you get, you know, three special presentations. That's kind of, to- yeah. The model that I have in my head is two of each a year, two series, yeah, sure. two special presentations. It. Cause I don't disagree with you in terms of the love and enthusiasm for the special presentations. I especially love the two that we got last year, which are the only two at this point, but I love them. And especially as somebody who still misses those Marvel one shots, you know, this being the evolution of that idea, I'm all about it, whether it was officially intended to be or not. I love the special presentations. I want them to continue to exist, but I also really love the series. And when the series have been great, you know, then it's been a whole other level of being able to enjoy the MCU. And, 
And, and I want to be able to continue doing that. And that's why I think uh, Thanos' favorite word, balance, is uh, was my favorite word before his. But yeah, balance is, is what it comes down to. And so I think that is how you balance it. Because I don't think you can do just special presentations be, because of the profitability question. Yes, it's cheaper to produce uh, one hour of content than it is six hours of content. But you still, what you don't, the the downside to that is if you are only having special presentations, then you probably will deal with more churn as people become part-time subscribers as opposed to using series to help cover more weeks on the calendar and then also have the special presentations where you can have uh, some cost savings in, in terms of producing that. It's still a draw for those of us who subscribe to Disney+, Plus, largely motivated by Marvel and Star Wars. So the special presentations help with that, but you can't rely exclusively on that. That's where you have the combination with series, because even though, again, cheaper to produce an hour than six hours, but your cost per hour can be higher on the special presentations because you're not able to use the same sets over and over and other th- other other costs that can be you know less per hour because you're getting more out of the things that you do. Uh, harder to do that with a special presentation, except for those instances that they should look for and find, like they did with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. You're building a brand new Nowhere set for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Go ahead and use it for gar- the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. So there are opportunities to do it that, as boring as it is to have the business talk, and I apologize if you were bored, although really, if you were, you probably stopped listening and you're not hearing this part, but for those who are still here... It is, it's a necessary component when we're talking about the state of the MCU, and it's a very real thing that's happening right now in the industry that will impact Marvel Studios like it is impacting all things in the industry because we get to enjoy these stories because, thankfully, they do make money. Um, It's not what I'm in it for because I don't see a dime, but for the business that makes the, that owns this stuff to make this stuff, there has to be the financial incentive. So it is a very real component. And, and so that's why we, we acknowledge it here as we address the state of the MCU, but our last segment or phase uh, of this episode, I want to talk, just to spend a little bit of time on as we transition from phase four to phase five, Paul, just what we're looking at, maybe more creatively in story, and not necessarily in terms of plot, but uh, we all know how you love your themes. And I think thematically in phase four, what we saw a lot of was, I I think, I mean, some things really kind of carried over from, you could certainly say Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home, the very end of phase three. There was so much grief and loss and trauma experienced by our heroes, whether it was brand new stuff or we were being told about stuff that was part of our heroes past in Guardians of the Galaxy, not Guardians of the Galaxy, in the MCU in phase four. But and speaking of that, we're going to deal with we're going to hear about some past trauma in Guardians of the Galaxy volume three. So that's not going anywhere. But I, I don't think it was in storytelling like you don't you don't just put your heroes through hell your protagonist through hell for the sake of beating them up like it is it's part of their journey forward it's part of their journey to something else and i think the reason why this became and and thanks to the level of spe- uh, specificity that was achieved by the storytellers there were a lot of similar themes across many of the projects in phase 4 but they were all approached in such different and specific ways that they didn't feel repetitive. And they really felt like each character's own 
individual story and their perspective, which is great because it's address it is addressing a, a universal topic that I think was very relevant in the world. And I think the reason why you see so much of the characters grow uh, coping with grief and and trauma and loss, pain, whatever it may be, is um, it, you could take you don't have to take that long of a look at the world over the past few years and find out why so so much of that was on people's minds um, and how that informed storytellers and, and and everything like that. And I think that what was so great about phase four on a thematic level is it wasn't just about traumatizing the characters. It was about, it was really about ex exploring how we deal with those things, good or bad, how that shapes who we are as individuals and how that shapes the community around us. Again, good or bad and exploring the different sides of that to try and help have our characters find the best uh, path forward, which is how they grow as characters. And, and I think that was something they did very well in phase four, and that sets us up for phase five, is as character stories continue, how do they apply the lessons that were learned in phase four, how do they get applied? Or for characters who we didn't see in phase four, we're still going to have to see how those lessons and those themes get applied carrying forward. And Paul, thematically, mm -hmm. I think while it will prove to, why it's going to prove to have been so worthwhile to spend so much time on that. And I don't think everybody got together and said, hey, we're just going to explore a lot of really sad and painful stuff in phase four. I don't right. think that was a mandate. Again, collectively, it's not hard to see why that was on everybody's uh, right at the surface of everybody's consciousness, like in as they were telling these stories based sure. on what's transpired over the past few years. Mm -hmm. But now that that found foundation has been laid, how do you move that forward? Well, how they move it forward remains to be seen, but it's really important that they've done it because if I had my best guess, phase five is act two in this saga. Yeah. yeah. And what, what happens in act two generally? Things get worse. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, exactly. Th things get worse. And, and I can foresee whether it's the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, or... Yeah, I'm worried about that, to be honest. Or, or a movie like Thunderbolts, by the way, because Val is working on some stuff. She has ill intent with getting Wakanda or getting vibranium out of Wakanda or wherever mm -hmm. she can find it. And so uh, it's not just cosmic multiversal stuff, even Earth-based stuff that you know Val is almost becoming like the the dark rain Norman Osborn in in this uh, at this point in oh, the MCU totally and so i think when you're looking at where some of this stuff is headed right now i think things are going to get bad if if you thought things were bad for our heroes in phase 4 i think they're about to get worse i, I think a lot of victory in phase 5 and some of these projects survival is going to be the victory not like resounding we beat Kang and everything's great now. No, mm -hmm. I don't think no, we get I that agree. luxury. And and same thing with projects like Thunderbolts and other things coming up in Phase Five. Like I, I think we're we can prepare ourselves for um, maybe not that the and it's not to say there won't be some happy, light, and fun adventures with some of our heroes in this phase. That stuff will still happen because Marvel knows how to balance things out. But I, I do think we are going to see that you get challenged with it. So like the stuff you experience that you grow from, that growth gets challenged. And by the way, we saw stuff, not the same specific themes, but those ideas of growth, 
regression and then growing again was part of some of the character journeys in their own specific ways for characters like Tony or Steve or Thor in the Infinity Saga. We will see a new version of that in its own specific way, I think, in Phase 5, where it's good that you develop this foundation of exploring how to and and find healthy ways to deal with loss and your trauma and grief and pain and whatever else. It's good that you have a little bit more of a foundation for that because it's it's only going to get more difficult. And I think that's where phase five almost feels like it's the the heroes are going to need to find that perseverance and and that hope, even at a time where it feels more hopeless than ever, um, because or certainly more hopeless than it, than it has since end of infinity war slash beginning of end game. I I think phase five is going to be, again, if, if you thought phase four might end up seeming like a cakewalk compared to what is going to happen to our heroes. I think anyway, in phase five, it's going to be a while before things start looking better for them. Well, and I think that one of the things that thematically that Kang represents, and I think I've said this before on the show, but is that whole idea of you can change the past. And I think that's where it's going to get really fascinating. And I'm I, I'm pretty sure they're going to go that route. They've already started that with He Who Remains. is And, and again, I, I talk about that comic book that I made you read. And, and, and people have reached out to me. I'm going to tell you right now. Go read Kang the Conqueror. Only myself left to conquer. And I... You may not love it. Uh, you know, I've, I've had some people tell me they liked it, did not like it, or not get into it. That's fine. But the one thing that I think that that comic does a great job representing the character over the you know however long he's been since 1960, whatever, uh, around is this idea of you know he's trying to constantly conquer the past, and that means also change the past and to alter what he wants. And that's the thing. I think the whole idea of fate and you can't always change things from happening. Yeah. And, and now we're going to get that obviously in like a DC movie coming out too. But like, I think the one thing about this though, that'll be different is that it's going to be the lingering of the whole multiverse saga. It's not going to be every film that's going to be generated towards that idea, but that's going to be the backbone of what, of what I think King dynasty. And I think also what secret wars is going to be. And I think when you try to change things from happening, you know, you, and also going back to the idea that you can't just do what they do, what they did in, in uh, Endgame all the time, right? You can't just fix right. things by going, it, that, that's critical. That was a one-time so I, deal. I, I, and I think that that whole idea of what Kang represents is what is they're, they're telling the audience, like they've, we've tapped into that and they did it once and it worked. It was, again, what was the whole thing Dr. Strange said? This is a, we only won like one yeah. time. Yeah. And this was it. This a is the one end in game. fourteen million six hundred five <laughs> shot. And, like that's but it. That has that has repercussions. That I think Kane represents a whole idea of if you do that route, this is what you become, and you have all these millions of variants that you're going to have the Immortuses, these Red Centurions, the He Who Remains of the MCU here. There's going to be these multi, these multiple different variants that Loki's already kind of seen the ramifications of what they represent and how they're not all the same. They're literally all over the place. And I think that's what's going to be interesting of how the decisions you you make in the future will dictate who you are. And I know it sounds cheesy, but like people forget that. Like You are in control of your own destiny. And if you try to always alter what goes back, it's only going to get worse. And I think that's what you're kind of seeing from what King represents. And that that will show you why the end game was so special from that standpoint. Also from the thematic standpoint of don't hold on to the past, 
go towards the future. And that's right. exactly what isn't. So that's what's really exciting for me. That's in the midst of all the other great stories that these characters represent in their own films. That's what the multiverse saga will have culti- you know, once it cultivates into Secret Wars. So, yeah, I I love where I think I I'm almost positive that's where they're going. And I I gotta tell you, the more I think about it, guys, and I, I avoid spoilers. I have no idea what's going on at Quantum Mania. I think Ant Man's biting it. I think there has to be a sacrifice. Because King has to represent a danger. And if he's in, in, as we've seen in the films that are coming out, we don't know how, who's tying into what, as far as into the whole multiverse saga. And I imagine it's going to be very much like with Thanos. It's going to be mostly probably end credit scenes. And if that's the case, there has to be some kind of ramifications from Ant-Man quantum mania that makes him feel dangerous. And like what the build up that danger. The only way you do that is having him do something really really bad in quantum mania in my opinion we'll see maybe i'm wrong i hope I'm it'll wrong. be I bad so. i i don't know i could see it being scott but i could also see marvel being like we need scott so um hank or hank. hope or janet look All out G- goodbye yeah yeah cassie's yeah. gonna survive because uh oh, of course you know, she's avengers. got a she's got a young yeah. avengers future but yeah. um yeah any of the uh, any of the grown-ups in that movie oh boy watch out and yeah, i'm um, with you on that one but I, I agree with you, like thematically what Kang represents. And that's why that this is where, and I think you talked about this uh, earlier in the show, but like, this is where phases five and six can make phase four even better. What is Kang doing? Like he's doing what his own version of hell, what Wanda was doing in WandaVision, right? Like he's a guy who already represents like the lessons that needed to be learned by some of our heroes in, um, uh, in phase four, like, and it's not, you know, he's always trying to fix the past, but all he ever does is he seals his own fate, his own future by spending all of his time dedicated to fixing things in his past. And that's what puts him back in the same cycles over and over and over again, because he never really tries to move forward. And I think that that was what what the challenge was with phase four. And, and by the way, as like, uh, even Natasha being part of phase four, granted it, it happened. Her story took place during the infinity saga, but it's part of phase four. And that wasn't about like ignoring the past, but it was, it, it wasn't even about fixing the past. It was just confronting and acknowledging the past and then moving forward. And and so I, I think that going back into those, some of idea, those, ideas of how our characters have needed to progress and how the ways they've maybe resisted some of that or how that's held them back, that that they've learned those lessons. I, I think Kang tests that to see because Kang provides the ultimate temptation of, you know, he represents the idea kind of like Endgame of, hey, you can go back, you can fix it, but then you really can't. And, and it's something that you have to learn and that's not really fixing it and that's not really moving forward. Uh, there has to be some other way, a healthier, more positive way, as so many of our characters were challenged with, whether it was Peter Parker in Spider-Man No Way Home, um, Shuri, even for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, not so much the past, but how to move, how best to move forward. I mean, thematically, the, the balance between what Queen Ramonda represented of how her perspective on, on grief versus what Shuri's was up until the end with her arc to realize to find a way forward that wasn't vengeance. I mean, we've seen so many different variations of this, so many different versions of this in phase four, and it sets up perfectly thematically for Kang to be the one to come in 
and challenge our heroes going forward and seeing, I mean, still more lessons to be learned in the character arcs for these heroes, but also how can they apply and, and how might they regress a, a little bit before they uh, take more steps forward in uh, these phases that are to come. But I, I think thematically, uh, there was so much that was so relevant and so timely and timeless about phase four. And I think that trend continues in its own way uh, in phase five. And and I think Marvel's done has continued to be really on. Un- is the consistency quite the same? Not necessarily, but how could it have been uh, with as many more hours of story as they were producing in phase four? But they're still more consistent than anybody else out there uh, with the storytellers that they find uh, in front of and behind the camera to do such a great job. And that's why the state of the MCU to button this thing up, you know, if, see, I told you, Paul, we weren't even close to wrapping up. That was like a little more than a half hour ago. That was fair. That but was fair. I think the state of the MCU in 2023, it's strong. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't see this whole running out of gas or audience losing interest. I, I, I understand where it comes from, um, valid and not, but it, it's just I don't see it that way. I, I don't think the numbers say that um, as much as we can quantify, but then also just how I feel a, as a fan. Um, no, I, I think the MCU has continued to build and build and build, and I think this has become maybe not in every corner of the internet or not even just corners, but I think this is uh, continues to be a more and more interesting universe slash franchise slash multiverse, whatever, to follow and be a fan of and be excited about. Um, and this continues to be an even better and more interesting, with some exceptions, but overall still a better and more interesting community to be a part of. Because I, I like that more people are, are finding out about this party as mainstream as it's been for so long, uh, that more people are still finding it and finding their own path to become very, very invested in these stories. So I'm happy with the state of the MCU at this point in, uh, in 2023. How about you, Paul? I, I'm still happy. I'm still, I'm extremely excited for phase five. I am getting really pumped up for quantum mania. And I listen, I grew up a Marvel zombie. I've always been a Marvel zombie and I'll never stop being a Marvel zombie. My, I would literally have to not cease to exist if I wasn't in some form of a, a diehard Marvel fan. I've always been one. It just, you know, it's crazy that what I grew up loving as a kid and comic books turned into the biggest pop culture phenomena, like as an adult, I never would have predicted it. I always dreamed it. And it still feels weird. It's still, thank you. Still feels weird to me to this day. And you know what? Like, I just feel like there's still, there's, there's, it's limitless um, potential with, with these characters because there's, it's, it's an ongoing series. It's an ongoing mythology. It's always evolving and changing and new characters are being added and to the myth, the mythos. And it's just, you know, there's so many, it's, it's such a ripe, ripe world, of uh, universe of, of characters that I, I can't wait. And there's, and there's so much to, they, that they're, they're teasing us with that I can't wait to see on screen still. So I'm excited. I know, again, I don't love everything, uh, the same levels as I probably the previous saga uh, before so far, but I have loved a lot of what I've gotten. And, and again, I've been meaning to rewatch things and I can't wait to go and uh, rewatch them all again soon. Same here. And, uh, you know, I'll definitely do a lot of 2022 rewatching to get rid to get ready for the MCU fan awards. And I, I will just clarify, yes, it feels weird, but it feels really good to know yes. that uh, to see the MCU like it, 
Again, not something I, I ever expected or would have predicted that something that, you know, we grew up being fans of that certainly wasn't as mainstream when we were growing up. I mean, some moments here and there, but overall not nearly as mainstream as it became uh, through uh, the largely the MCU over the past several years. Um, but it feels really, really cool that this becomes a point at which so many of us, um, you know, can connect with these stories and throughout that process have opportunities to connect with and, and relate to each other, which is just this very, very beautiful thing that gets to happen. Thanks in part to uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, at least around here on MCU Fan Show. Yes. And so thank you very much for joining us through this long journey discussing the state of, I mean, not for us, we've gone way longer on podcast uh, episodes, yeah. but thank you very much for listening to our state of the MCU address for the year 2023. The conversation will continue over on Fan Show Plus. This is really more outro than shameless plug, so I won't count add it to the tally. But for Fan Show Plus, we didn't talk a ton about Eternals in this one, but um, we're gonna, as we talk about mm -hmm. Eternals being the most streamed movie, for Marvel movie anyway, mm. of 2022. What does that mean for these characters who also, like Shang-Chi, kind of yeah. need to see their stories continue and evolve as we move our way through the multiverse mm -hmm. saga, unless we're just going to forget the whole thing. Um, and so that is going to be part of the conversation on Fan Show Plus. We're also going to talk more about the Oscar nominations for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So you can find that at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or by searching for Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel on Apple Podcasts. And then make sure you're following us in the places you can, Instagram and Twitter. In both places, we are at MCU Fan Show. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. Pete Please, please, please go over to my YouTube channel, The Comic Binge, and subscribe because we are so close to 1,000 subscribers. I'm at 820 right now. Lord you know, Lord willing, I won't lose like two or five until like the next time we do record an episode. But right now, we're at 820. If you get into a thousand, it just helps. It helps you get into that algorithm more. It's stupid. I hate begging for this stuff, but for to us to grow, we have to hit like certain milestones. Like apparently, if people have told me. So, either way, we're getting so close. Lots of great episodes. I have a fantastic episode. We I mean, have a fantastic episode every week, but in a couple of weeks, um, we are going to have a uh, MCU required reading, and we're going to be covering this King comic. I keep talking about, and keep raving about. Again, King the Conqueror. Only myself left to conquer. If you want to get hyped up and get prepped up for uh, Quantum Mania and King. I highly recommend this comic book. I've got a couple people who have read it for the first time uh, coming on the show with me and Chris. I'm super excited to talk to them about it and analyze it. Not everyone may not love it, but I'm curious what their, what their thoughts are. And yeah, just lots of uh, talk about Kang. So check us out there. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.